I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a couple of book reviews I owe you from last week. More about planners. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 346, Finding Your Inner Planner. And today, as promised, is a continuation of last week's show. I thought I would do it all last week, but I didn't. So today is that follow-up show. Today will be a mostly nuts and bolts book review show, that kind of talk, book talk, book flip talk, book example talk. If you didn't already hear episode 345, do check that one out. Lots there to think about in terms of why you might want to keep some form of journal or planner, some form of daily tracking mechanism, something inside a cover, something on paper that you use, some list-based system maybe that you use to help you organize your life, improve your productivity, help you feel more in control, and or help you record what's happening and what you want to happen. So three books today. I promised you I'd keep this one to the point and I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm not even going to let myself veer off the path today. Just these book reviews. So three books today. Bullet Journal Method. That's Ryder Carroll's book. Journal Me Organized. And Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide. And not in that order, I don't think. But those three books. And one of those is a bit in absentia. Because as I told you, Last time, I don't have bullet journal method in hand. Not anymore. And I didn't have it in hand enough, really, or at the right time. But I got enough of a look that I know I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it first. I did have to return it before I really finished. I did have it over the holidays. I was on the wait list forever. I am on the wait list again. I'm on the list and it may be months before my name comes up. But I read the first half. I really read it. I was surprised by this book. I told you in the last show that I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure what I would think. I really was skeptical of why I would need this book. And it surprised me. It did. It surprised me also that It was definitely a read it book. So I read the first parts of it on quiet mornings in December. And I found the storytelling in the book really compelling. The history of the system was fascinating to read. I really liked writer's approach, the style, the writing of the book. And I hadn't counted on that at all. And I did wonder on those early mornings in December, if maybe this was actually a book I should have. So if you are interested in learning more about bullet journaling, I definitely encourage you to take a look at this book, learn about the system, the structure, the flexibility, 
and the ways in which the scaffolding works in bullet journaling. You can definitely get a lot of this information online. And I will link you again to the history page on writer's site, bulletjournaling.com, where you can read some of the same story that you'll find in this book. But if you can get your hands on the book, do it. So you'll read writer's book. The other two books that I'm going to talk about are books that you're going to flip. You're going to read bits and pieces, but it's different. They're very different in presentation. They are books in format that come from the craft and art, the creative space. They're full color, lots of photos. They're both really easy to look at, full of examples Journally Organized and Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide. They both cover a lot of introductory ground about the planning space, tools, things you can use, different kinds of notebooks, things you can try. And if you aren't sure how to get started keeping a planner or aren't sure what kinds of planning pages might work for you, these are both good to look at and will help you better understand this whole planning space. Even if you're already a planner, I think you will enjoy these. That was my scenario, and I really enjoyed flipping through both of them. So the first is Dot Journaling, a practical guide, how to start and keep the planner, to-do list, and diary that'll actually help you get your life together by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. And this is the one that I mentioned that I looked at last fall. I looked at it while I was waiting on the bullet journal method to come in. And I thought it was really well done, really well done for someone completely new to the idea of keeping a planner and to the idea of bullet journaling. So the dot journal title, it's clever. In practice, bullet journaling is a dot journaling system. At the core, you write tasks down with a dot. Many of them get a dot and When you're done, you cross that dot off or you further morph the dot into some other symbol, a signifier of some form. So bullet journaling is a dot journaling approach. And many people also use dot grid paper for their bullet journals. Not everyone. Some people like grids or graph paper style. Some people use blanks. Some people maybe even use lined paper. I don't know. It sounds really quaint at this point to use lines. I am typically a grid paper, a graph paper person. I like the squares, but my current journals, both of them, both of them have dot grids for the very first time. I've never used dot grid before. So dot grid is huge among planners. Definitely. And I think I probably still prefer graph paper, but I can see why people like it. It has been interesting to have this in my books right now. So in Dot Journaling, Miller talks first about her history with planning and when she first discovered bullet journaling, writer's site, and so on. And then she talks about being faced with the creative planning community, probably what I called the pretty planners, and what that looks like and the sense of disjunct that she felt between what some people were doing in the name of bullet journaling and what writer's system outlines. And there really is that kind of disjunct. It really has 
changed and broadened and morphed and opened up. And there are just so many ways to do it. People have really taken it in all kinds of directions, even if they started by being super inspired by the core premises and tenets of bullet journaling. So I get it. But I bet some people have a little bit of trouble with her intro. I'm just going to guess that that might be true. I still really liked this book. Here's a bit of her take on the whole thing. Quote, Over time, the internet has transformed the basic idea, using simple symbols and dot grid journals to record the things that matter most, into what I've come to think of as dot journaling, a.k.a. a creative, colorful, robust, and, listen, take this with a large grain of salt, Pinteresty version of the original concept. I started dot journaling on January 1, 2016, and I quickly fell in love. It was exactly what I hadn't realized I needed. A single notebook that incorporated my to-do lists, helped me stay organized, served as a fun creative outlet, and led me back to my roots as a diarist. I was thrilled to discover that I had no problem writing in it every single day. End quote. She goes on to define a dot journal as, quote, a system for writing down all the things that you want to remember in a single notebook, things that you want or need to do, things you've already done, and your thoughts and observations from every aspect of your life, work, home, relationships, hobbies, etc. Dot journaling is an amazing way of recording everything that matters to you and keeping your life together both figuratively and literally, end quote. So you can see where she's coming from and you can see how that sounds like a pretty great setup and a pretty great system. And of course, some of you are like, oh no, I like to have multiple journals or multiple planners and that's okay too. That's not what she specifically says there, but that's definitely okay. And if you are a traveler's notebook person like I am, you definitely like the flexibility of being able to devote different blanks in different ways. So you can feel your way around that as you get into the whole idea of planning. Definitely bullet journaling gives you a way to use a single book. So I'm going to suggest that if you're new to this whole thing, curious, interested, on the fence, middle of the road, or just looking for ways to spice up what you're doing or broaden what you're doing or deepen what you're doing or see if maybe there's something that you could be doing that you're not already doing, that you get this book for the examples because she does an excellent job really slowing down and showing you how things can work and why. And she starts at the beginning. She works through things very methodically. This book is well organized. It's easy to read. It's well paced. She really breaks things down and shows you in a way that I think makes sense. I think the tone of this book is very, very introductory very simplified, but that makes it really accessible. I really do think this is an accessible book for someone brand new to this whole thing. There are clear examples for everything she talks about, made up planner pages to help you see how these different approaches work. You are going to want to flip through this. Throughout the book, she walks the reader through every step of how this kind of journal can work, how the symbols work, how different pages typical to bullet journaling work, and then ideas for the kinds of pages you might want to use. You'll get a look at yearly spreads and multiple ways to do them, monthly spreads and multiple ways to do them, 
several ideas for habit trackers, and then lots of ideas for weekly spreads and then daily spreads. She also tackles how to incorporate journaling or diary keeping as part of your planner. Not everyone does that. I do. The second half of the book delves into ideas for health and fitness spreads, kinds of lists you might keep, financial spreads, TV series trackers, book lists, reading progress, gratitude lists, new words, exercise tracking, mood tracking, travel spreads, meal plans, and more. If you're somebody who thinks, I just don't know what I would put in a planner or a tracker, other than a couple of things I might want to do every day, this is the kind of book that shows you there's a whole lot out there that you could use in a planner that you could keep track of, or that you could log. And you might see something that's really inspiring to you. You might say, oh, if I started doing that, I can see that it would make a big difference. You'll see lots of dot grid layouts that you can try. And there is some sticky note planning. Again, I think part of the strength of this book is that she keeps the tone really introductory. And she offers examples of all of the kinds of options that she talks about. She shows exactly how they work, what they look like, and all of these look doable. That's really important. All of these look really doable, easy to understand, easy to try. Her designs are nice. They're neat. They're clean. There's maybe a little bit of color, but the emphasis is on utility rather than pretty planning. I'm always interested in what kind of pens people use. That's a big topic among planners. It's also a big topic among anyone who keeps a sketchbook or an illustrated journal. And so she's got some pen charts and logging in the back of this book that I also found really interesting to look at. That kind of documentation I think is always fascinating. So I really liked this book a lot. I really did. I can totally see people using this book, going through and looking at these kinds of pages and then trying them. So the next book that I pulled, and as I said, while there are lots of books like this at Amazon, if you browse around in this area, my library doesn't seem to get tons of these. So I was excited when this one was available. Journal Me Organized, The Complete Guide to Practical and Creative Planning by Rebecca Spooner. And the title to this one sort of sums up what's going on here. I was really excited at first because I really thought it was going to do something a little bit different than maybe it did, but it sort of sums it up. This book sets out to deal with both practical and what she calls creative planning. They are and can be different. I have many contacts who are firmly positioned in the creative planning space, a very art journal driven approach, sometimes abstract, sometimes collage based, sometimes symbolic, not necessarily about really straightforward daily lists or tasks or deadlines, maybe a little more introspective, maybe a little more reflective. It can be all over the place. It can be all different approaches, but it's a little different. And that's what I thought this book was really going to look at. And I was excited to see that it brings that kind of approach into play, this idea of creative planning. So Spooner sets things up as cerebral versus creative. And she deals with these pretty much as separate approaches, although she does acknowledge that cerebral can also be creative. In her intro, she notes that 
The first half of the book is going to be nuts and bolts. And the second half is the creative part. And that is the setup. Ultimately, I felt like the two halves didn't totally work as well as I had hoped. Didn't totally work as well together. I was hoping for something a little bit different to really show a different kind of synthesis. But that's probably because I know so many people who keep creative planners. And in this case, I'm not looking at creative planners as the pretty planner group or community. I am thinking more about Teresa Robinson and the right brain planner, her system and that community and the examples that I see that are incredibly beautiful and inspiring, but definitely a different kind of planner. I still enjoyed looking at this book and I really appreciate the range of what she's included in terms of examples. There are lots of examples, just as with the other book, there are bunches of examples here. This book is full-sized and it's well laid out, lots of call-out boxes, lots of examples, lots of bits of info. It's easy to pick up and open to any page and just read something or flip through. The approach is definitely a bit more pretty planner than the dot journaling book, but it's not overboard. The focus is still mostly on the functional. These are still things you could do. You'll see cornerstone ideas that explain collections, habit trackers, daily planning options, weekly options, monthly layouts. For all of the things she discusses, she shows several versions, which I like. You get a sense of the wide range of approaches you can take. In talking about weekly planning, for example, you see notes on a minimalist approach, a composition book style approach, and then some other colorful approaches, weeklies that use time trackers, scrapbook style approaches, and more. You get the same kind of variety for monthly, quarterly, yearly, and daily planning too. Again, the book is well laid out, lots of photos. You'll find things like the popular chronodex included. You'll see the future log, a core tenet of bullet journaling explained. You'll also see mention of some other things like the Alistair method, something called the strike through method, the calendex and the spiral decks, and then something else called autofocus. So you'll see other things and some brief explanation, and you may want to then bounce off and learn more about those as well. She covers specialty planning, habit tracking, meal planning, business spreads, student spreads, a whole section on collections, samples of collections that you might want to consider doing, thematic lists that you might want to keep that you didn't even know you wanted to keep. And then, like I said, that final section is called step-by-step, -step, and it is a catch-all of small tutorials for adding different kinds of creative elements, like a watercolor ombre page, or adding an acrylic background, some brush lettering, and then some things like making decorative clips, corner markers. This section just felt a little bit more tacked on for me, but that whole first section is so chock full of examples that it's really worth flipping through no matter what. I had to laugh in the opening of this book where she talks about materials though, and she notes that a ruler is 100% necessary. I really had to laugh because that is so not me. I don't really ever use a ruler, but she did say that. And I did like this quote though, quote, a goal without a plan is just a wish. So like dot journaling, this one is a good one to flip. I think it's nice to have these in tandem so that you really see two different 
takes on it, two different perspectives, two different sets of examples about the same thing, really two different approaches. So that's three books in all, two that are really visual that you're going to flip through and then writer's book that you're going to want to really sink into and delve into and get a bit more of kind of the theory of all of this as well. The two flip throughs, you know, they're good. They're easier to flip through with a cup of coffee and your own planner in hand. You turn to a page, you say, oh, I might should try that. And you set something up new, very accessible in that way. So what I would say is, here's my little list for you. It looks like six things. One, if you can get your hands on it, then read writer's book, make time for it and read it. Two, and then before or after, check out dot journaling and or journal me organized for bunches of examples. Of the two, I think I would recommend dot journaling first, but I did enjoy both. And if you think you are more on the art journal side of things, or if moving from an art journal to a quasi art journal planner sounds like a logical path for you, then definitely look at Spooner's book. You might find that more inviting. It might just make more logical sense for you. Because depending on where you're coming from, it's going to have a big impact on how things go and on what approaches make sense and what feels right for you. Number three, devote part of your current journal to this process or get out a blank notebook, whatever you have handy. You don't need something fancy. You don't need something special. You don't have to have something brand new. Just start. And it's okay to start small. Number four, set up a tracker for a month. That's not really a part of bullet journaling per se, but it's awfully easy to add it into your bullet journaling. And it can be a good way to just get you started checking in with yourself every day. Number five, and then try bullet journaling as a way to keep track of what you need to do day to day for a week or two weeks or a month. Two weeks is probably a good test. And six, make time every day to sit down and list out your to-dos for the next day and then mark off the things you do and see how it goes. That last part is really important. You have to make it a habit. You have to make it a habit. It's easy to say planning or list making or keeping a tracker doesn't work for me. But if you are ready to try it and willing to try it or want to try it, you have to know that it does take work. It's not some magic thing that you say, okay, I'll do a planner and then life just falls into place. It actually takes some work and it takes making and spending a bit of time each day. That's really the key. It takes making and spending a bit of time each day with it. And depending on your style, extra time at the end of the week might be necessary or helpful or around the start of a new month to set things up. So it takes giving that little bit of time and using your planner. So how do you make it a habit? By doing it daily, of course. That's part of it. Put it on your habit tracker and then do it consistently. Some people do their bullet journaling every morning, a first step in the day. And if you have that kind of schedule and that kind of time, that makes a lot of sense. I surprised myself. I switched things up because that didn't work for me. That doesn't work with my work schedule, especially. So I am finding that 
working on mine at night is a really good way for me to do it. I consult my bullet journal throughout the day, but when I sit at night to look at what I need to do the next day, I check off my habit tracker for the day. I check off the things from my to-do list for the day. And then I sit and I think about that next day and I go ahead and make my entries then. And when I sit and do that, it also helps me make time to do other things like record my one sentence journal, which is never just one sentence and my gratitude for the day. So for me, when I do this nighttime thing, which I had never done before, when I do it as a nighttime thing, a nighttime reflection, it's really working. It's working well. If I stop and do it, I tend to manage to do all those things. And I might manage to go ahead and do some of the things on my tracker that I didn't get to in the day. And that's because I sit down at night and I look at these things and go, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. Or, oh, yeah, I need to do that. So it's become a pretty solid part of my day, but I do have to work at it. I have to make that happen each night. You'll figure out what works best for you. If you can set aside 10 minutes a day to look at the day's tasks and jot down the ones for the next day, I think you'll quickly find the day-to-day usefulness easy to grasp. From there, there's a whole world of telescoping out you can do. Weekly goes to monthly, to yearly, to bucket lists, collections, the future, big projects, little projects. I think starting with daily can definitely be a great and useful way to begin. So give it a try. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for today. That is it for episode 346. Feels like I just raced through these reviews. And I hope that's not the case because I spent a lot of time looking at these books and I think you'll enjoy them. I just like to look through books. I like to flip. And I hope your library might have these two. If not, maybe your library has something else. Look up terms like journaling, planning, bullet journaling. You might be surprised at what you can find. As always, I'm Amy and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hydeless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy and as Creativity Matters Podcast. And thank you to those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativitymatters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.